What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com amazing to start your springtime adventure. Spend my dollar. It's not about what you want. It's about what you're willing to do to get it. Run it again. Hello and welcome. I'm not going to, so quit asking. When you give me a hard time. For the listeners that didn't get to go. This is the payback. Alabama wins! What you did last year really doesn't matter. Our goal is to have the kind of team that nobody wants to play. Hi. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. And man, it has been way too long since I've said that with meaning, right? We are jumping into the 2021 football season. That just even sounds weird to say, right? But uh, but we are. And what we're going to do is we're going to do a uh, sort of a three-show series. And, and we're going to emphasize these being pre-camp shows. So these are primers. These are getting our heads on straight, remembering the names, remembering uh, the team and the positions and, and sort of all the stuff, uh, sort of scraping off the dust from, from last season. And so we're going to do uh, three shows coming up. We're going to do uh, coaching changes, and we're going to do that now. And we're going to step through a handful of coaching changes. We're going to do a separate show. We're going to record it today, record all these today, and then sort of release them over time. And so we're going to do the coaches show. We're going to do an offense uh, sort of position breakdown or position overview. And then we're going to do the same for defense. And then we'll throw in a couple of comments on uh, special teams as well. Like I said, uh, on the website, we're going to release these as individual articles. And there'll actually be four articles on the website. And so uh, there'll be things that we cover uh, in the audio here that we don't have in the in the write-up. And there'll be things that, that we talk about in the write-up that we may not necessarily get to here in the audio. So they're good companion pieces. And, you know, I would encourage you to check them out. We like traffic on the website, such as it is. But uh, uh, definitely, uh, definitely, and obviously, listen to this, so that's good. So, a uh, couple uh, sort of administrivia things that we want to break off as well. You may have already heard that we have joined a podcast network, and so we're part of Minute Media now. And so, you would hear that by virtue of there being a pretty slick ad uh, pasted on uh, onto this. And so what that's going to do, what uh, what we hope Minute Media does, and they're sort of the podcast arm 
of the fan-sided media sort of network, whatever it is. And what we uh, what we hope to to benefit with with these guys is a greater distribution, which helps grow the show, which you know hopefully is good for everyone. We hope that it's going to help us connect with other podcasts that maybe do shows for uh, our opponents. So it'll be easier for us to do interview shows with future opponents. Now, last year we did some interview shows. Most of those we released it uh, released under sort of the member network. We're going to release all of those public uh, this year. And we didn't do all games last year. And this year we're hoping to do all games. And damn, that's a booger to find uh, a podcast for opponent shows. You wouldn't think it would be, but yeah, give it a shot. But at any rate, we uh, hopefully uh, the network will help us uh, in that regard. And we are also are releasing or updating the member support program. And so we're going to bring that back. And historically, the last two years we've done that. It's been the 19, it's been the 2019 program, and then it was the 2020 program. What we're going to do is we're going to put out there sort of a reoccurring uh, program. So you're not buying for a particular season. You jump in and jump out as you wish. And so there's a version that's monthly, and it's $2 a month. Uh, and there's a version that is annual, and that's $18 annually. And so if you sign up annually, you basically get you know, a couple of the slow season uh, summer months uh, for free. And so when you sign up on the website, uh, alabamafootballpodcast.com, it'll automatically take care of all of that stuff. You will get a link to the private show. We're going to continue to do a private show. What we're going to do is have ad-free versions of this content released over there, and then we'll continue to do the Zoom shows. So if you're a member, you'll get access to the Zooms, and then you'll get access through the private show release. You'll get access to to the Zoom recordings uh, as well. Last year, for every game, I did sort of a post-game sort of wrap-up. And so probably do some version of that most weeks, and we would release that only only on the, uh, the private feature as well. Here's what's really, really cool, and I'm not necessarily telling you to do this, but this is what would be really, really cool, is you have the opportunity. I think we have like 70 bonus shows out there that haven't been released to the public. And so like if you really want to binge the show, sign up for two bucks, download all that stuff, and then cancel the membership. I mean, we don't want you to do that, but we want to really want to front load the value sort of proposition here. So give it a shot for a couple of bucks and uh, hey, do it for two bucks. Download everything. If you like it, come back and get it annually and uh, we'll go from there. So uh, I think that's the administrative stuff that we wanted to cover. And what we want to do now in this show is we're just going to jump into uh, the coaching changes. There were a number of coaching changes. And if you'll remember going into the 2020 season, we made a big deal out of how few coaching changes there there were. Now, COVID had a lot to do with that. But it was the first time since 2014, 2015, that we had both coordinators come back uh, for the subsequent season. We had a couple of positional changes, uh, but uh, sort of the leadership at the top end of uh, uh, of the staff, there um, there was no turnover and and stability. And so what we saw this year is uh, obviously we lost offensive coordinator and Sark took a lot of guys with him, and then we had some guys sort of leave on on their own uh, in other directions as well. So we've had more turnover on this coaching staff than maybe we have had in in two or three seasons. And so uh, and and it's not unusual. Come people come and get saving coaches. Uh, they want a little bit of the pixie dust and magic and. And somehow that that stuff doesn't travel very well outside the city limits uh, when uh, when other people try to take it with them. But nonetheless, 
a lot of changes. And uh, so I just want to step through, give a little bit of commentary. I'm not going to pretend that uh, that I'm the expert on any of this, but this is just an opinion piece uh, around uh, uh, some of the coaches and, uh, and some of the changes. I do think, now I liked all the guys that we had. And we have had instances where we've changed coaches and ah, maybe I didn't like who we brought in or, or maybe that felt like a, a significant step down. And I don't feel that way about any uh, of these coaches. I think there's a couple of themes that sort of run through this set of hires that really demonstrate Saban being on the ball. He's not as a CEO administrative coach that is losing his fastball. And these hires, these coaching hires, especially as I start to really look at them and preparing to, to talk with you guys, uh, I, I think, holy hell, there's a lot to really, really like here. And so I'm not going to break all of it apart, but I'm going to hit some of the highlights of, of what I especially like uh, about each of these individual guys. This doesn't categorically mean I didn't like the other guy. It doesn't mean that at all. It just means this is what we've got. And so let's talk about what we've got, not what we don't. And so let's jump in, and uh, and I think some of this will sort of play itself out. I think uh, – so let's start at the top. Bill O'Brien replacing uh, Steve Sarkeesian. Now, we really like Sark, right? And he went to Texas, and and, and which is great for him. He took a lot, got a, took a lot of guys with him and, and tried to take more than he got. And so that kind of gave us uh, left us with a little, little bit of – a parting shot that we didn't necessarily enjoy, but let's all admit we really like Sark. Uh, he he had uh, sort of an up and down time at Alabama. He came, called one game and left to go to the Falcons, and then came back and so we weren't sure about that. And and then he just just can we just say he absolutely absolutely sort of kicked ass as an offensive coordinator last year. And even across the fan base, there was some discussion of oh man, if Saban steps down, we, we this is the guy we want. And it turns out that uh, that Sark went ahead and left. Now I think. That signifies a couple of things that are that are really positive, and 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 we'll talk about Bill O'Brien too, which I think there's a lot of positive there as well. But uh, the fact that that Sark left, sort of, there's two messages baked within that that are both incredibly positive. One, it says the the Saban sort of coaching pipeline is alive and well because it wasn't that many years ago that Sark was toxic, and now. He's the head coach of Texas. Now, say what we want to like Texas, don't like Texas, but damn it, that's a blue blood, blood program. They're down on the luck, all the, all the things that you could stay. But you can't you, you can't say that Texas isn't a top flight, a top tier program. They're not a blue blood. And look, I'm not trying to pump them up. I'm just, let's just acknowledge, holy hell, he went from toxic to Texas. That's that's pretty damn uh, that's pretty damn impressive, and uh, that's what the Saban pipeline and sort of the the watch wash rinse repeat bring in another coach. Uh, it is alive and well, right? That demonstrates that as, that's alive and well. If there were coaches in line that say, uh, and this may be why why the guys we were able to bring in that Saban was able to bring in, why there's so much meat on this bone, because they said, holy hell, I can go to Alabama and look what they churn out. They churn out blue blood head coaches. And so, uh, so just amazing that that's the case. Another thing, and this is maybe, I don't know which of these is more subtle than the other, but another thing that resonates with me is for the conversation that Sark would take over for Saban, and it's all sort of media driven, but there, I think there's some reality 
potential reality to it. And had Saban, if it were in his mind to re- retire after this next season or, or maybe two more seasons, then I think that's a conversation that he and Sark had. Hey, I can go to Texas or, hey, what is the thought process here? And so I think that I think they probably I think that's a candid conversation you have. And I think their relationship would would allow it. And I think Sark got an answer that said, well, I'm not going to wait that long. And so from an Alabama fan perspective, the pipeline is alive and well. And it looks like Saban's not going anywhere, uh, which is those would be two uh, two answers that uh, that we would want. So let's definitely take that as a positive. Wish Sark well and go from there. Now, let's talk about Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien, it's, his the name cachet maybe t- had taken a little bit of a hit during his time at Texas and uh, as, as the Texans head coach, so NFL head coach, right? And a really good coach. And when he was just the coach, the, you know, they went to the playoffs where he struggled and where maybe his name sort of got dinged a little bit is when he was the, the general manager as well. And so let's think about that a little bit. Oh, wow. He's the head coach and general manager. Now, there's only a handful of people alive that can juggle those two jobs. And there's only been a handful that have ever actually, you know, done it with even a, even a little bit of success. And, you know, I would put, you know, Bill O'Brien either on the list or, or next to the list. But his career, you know, even, even if you discount a little bit of some of the GM stuff at, uh, with the Texans, his career is, is no slouch. Offensive coordinator for the Patriots. Hey, remember it wasn't that long ago. We had some pretty good success with a tight end coach from the Patriots, right? And so the full-on <laughs> offensive coordinator, hey, that's a pretty good deal. And of course, you know, he's he's definitely connected to Tom Brady. And so that uh that has some resonance, I think, within uh, uh within recruiting. He was the head coach at Penn State at probably the worst possible time ever to be head coach. Uh, at Penn State. Now, Penn State's a program for the by and large, I have an appreciation for. Obviously, there's components of of their more recent history that you can't touch with a stick and and they're wretched and and terrible. But on the field, rebuilding a program after that has to be one of the hardest jobs that you could could undertake. And uh, Bill O'Brien, I think, acquitted himself very, very well uh, in the couple of years that he was there. I think I've mentioned this either on a Zoom or on a call or somewhere else, but it was a it was several years ago. HBO did sort of a, a sort of a rolling feature on, uh, and it was a number of coaches, number of programs, whatever it was. But uh, they did a couple uh, a couple of shows on Bill O'Brien and Penn State, and I just found him to be really, really likable, really, really uh, impressive. Now, likable in the way that head coaches are sort of grouchy, anyways, right? So. He's not going to be your neighbor, but, uh, you know, I think he could be a hell of a football coach, and, and he is. And so I think that's phenomenal. Uh, and I think he had a great deal of success uh, with Houston. What we're getting here is an NFL head coach to be our offensive coordinator, an NFL uh, general manager. So I think when, when you know, you transition uh, NFL head coach, general manager to college offensive coordinator, there's a weight that sort of lifts off your shoulder. It's not that it's not an important job or a hard job or – uh, a lot of work to put in, but it's just the scale of it is just incredibly different. And so I think that like his bandwidth, his capacity uh, to do more 
in the offensive coordinator role uh, at Alabama, I think I think is significant. Maybe even to offload some uh, some duties from Coach Saban to make Saban's job easier because you know we know we want that to be true as well. I do think I do think, and so there's a little bit of a, a prediction here, a little bit of going out on the limb. I think Bill O'Brien may be may be the right person in the right time to bring about the multiple offense of Saban's dream. And so think about what the Patriots are known for. They have a different, not a different game plan every week. They have a different offensive system every week. Now it's NFL players. They have more practice time. I understand all of that, but what's the version of that that applies in, in college where every week, every team has to defend every blade of grass, the short passing game, the long passing game, the screen game, the running game, the power running game. I think Alabama offense, and we'll get into the uh, the offensive lineup. I think Alabama has the talent to be that versatile, and I think we have a coach that has the ability to sort of mine all of that, fold it into the Saban offense. It's still the Saban offense, but every year as we change coordinators, every or not every year, but as we change coordinators, it's still the Saban offense, but it collects new wrinkles. And it's like a snowball as it, it gets bigger and uh, as it continues to, to uh, pick up new concepts and ideas from from coaches. And so I think Bill O'Brien is going to bring a lot of concepts, uh, a lot of acumen to the job. And I think he's going to be able to push and pull the the bells and buttons and, and, and levers uh, to bring about an offense that may be as multiple as we've ever seen and certainly look for uh, action out of the slot, uh, the use of the tight end and uh, sort of a short passing game. And uh, again, we'll get into some of the players, but I, I know we've got some over-the-top speed and an incredibly uh, incredibly talented and deep uh, running back room too. So I think Bill O'Brien is is going to be a mastermind with all the, the switches that he's going to have uh, at his fingertips. So definitely absolutely uh, excited about that. All right, let's pick up the pace and move to uh, next coach, Doug Marone is replacing Kyle Flood uh, as the offensive line coach. Now, Flood leaving with Sark, is, that's no surprise. Stevie Wonder saw that coming. They both came together as a package deal of sorts uh, from the Falcons, and so the fact that they leave together, that's not a surprise at all. We should, we should, we should all know that. What's interesting is it's a little bit of a package deal uh, with O'Brien and Marone in that they are both really, really good friends, both former NFL head coaches, by itself incredible their wives are best friends i think they uh, there's some backstory about how they met each other's wives or, or not in a weird way but just that their history goes back to their wives were friends or or something and i don't whatever it is at any rate what's incredible is uh marone's experience he's a two-time nfl head coach a former uh college head head coach and and he came up through the ranks as an offensive line coach and so as is sort of thought provoking as it may be to say that Bill O'Brien, head coach, uh, GM at the NFL level, came to be offensive coordinator, I, it, I think it's even more intriguing that Marone went from head coach in the NFL to offensive line coach at Alabama. I, I hesitate to call that a, a step down because, you know, kind of like our program, but in sort of the landscape of coaching opportunities, NFL head coaches. Uh, I would say a couple of rungs up uh, between uh, a line coach anywhere. And, uh, and so, and so that's amazing. It really speaks to what speaks to a couple of things. I think, you know, definitely Marone has grown up as an offensive line coach. 
And so he's definitely got skills uh, and talent there that he brings to bear. I think he's sort of an old school coach in that regard. And and so I think he's going to do really well coaching the offensive line at Alabama. I think it speaks insanely to Saban's aptitude and just really aggressiveness in going after uh, replacement coaches. I mean, if you count Saban himself, we've got three former NFL head coaches on this coaching staff. We're inventing ways to be amazing uh, is, is, you know, just when you thought you'd seen it all, look what we got over here. And we think about recruiting and especially some of the top end players, players that want to go to the NFL, it sets Saban aside, right? You know, he's an NFL coach. So there's three of them, but you know, two with uh, prolonged uh, tenures in the NFL and prolonged tenures as uh, head coaches uh, in the NFL. I think, I think it's, I think it's amazing. I do think Marone, and I sort of get this from, from some of the reading that uh, he may be potentially more of an introvert and uh, Hey, I am too. So I, that, I think that's great. And so, but, and so I look at that from the framework of, you know, introvert extrovert is where you draw energy versus burn energy. And so think of somebody getting on a stage and if they're an extrovert, then they draw energy from the crowd that is motivating and exciting and energizing for them to be speaking uh, to a large crowd. An introvert is just the opposite. They can speak very well and do a phenomenal job. It just drains their energy. It just burns their energy. And so they need to, instead of getting a high from it, they get a low from it and they both can be dynamic, uh, dynamic speakers. And so I think Barone with, you know, probably more of an introvert, is the head coaching job and the interviews and the, the press conferences and all that are just draining. But where are, can you be more anon- anonymous than an offensive line coach? And so I think that has to be invigorating for him. And so I think that raises his, his water and raises his, his, uh, his energy levels. And so I, I look forward to, uh, I mean, he's, he's gotta be so excited. And plus with the talent that we have across the offensive front, uh, and, and we'll talk about that. So I'm excited uh, for what he's going to bring to the offensive line position. All right, moving on to uh, tight end and special teams. Drew uh, Drew Savota replacing Jeff Banks. I think Jeff Banks is sort of represents sort of the pivot point where uh, the fan base started to say, "Sorry, cut this out." And I know I sort of had you know that thought as well. You know that he was really uh, getting after uh, poaching the Alabama staff. I do think though. Jeff Banks wasn't all that of a surprise that he left uh, Alabama to go to Texas. Uh, if we think about it, he's from Texas. Uh, we got him not that long ago. I think he was at Alabama for two years. Uh, and, and he was a special teams tight end coach uh, at Texas A&M. And he kind of had to leave uh, Texas A&M. I think there was some fidelity. I don't know all the stories. I've just have heard a little bit. I, th- I think that there were some issues that it just made sense that he needed to he needed a change of venue. And so getting out of state uh, for a couple of years, I think was probably the intent. And then, um, you know, spend some time with saving, take the shower. And then, um, and then heading back to Texas, I don't think is altogether a surprise. I think that uh, he did get a promotion. He did get a raise. It is a state with, uh, with uh, no uh, income tax. And I think he's got family and roots in Texas. So it's not too much of a surprise that if he had the opportunity that he would take it and he did, and he did. I think uh, Sark went hard after Holloman Wiggins, and I think I think that's where that may have been the more egregious uh, sort of uh, attempt to get. And I'm glad, I'm glad Wiggins uh, hung around. Uh, speaking of Drew Savota, I this is a younger coach, uh, hasn't spent as many years at the collegiate level, 
but I think he's I think he's hungry, motivated, and is on a trajectory. He is a former uh, I want to say coach of the year, but certainly highly respected uh, high school coach uh, in the Houston area, and so that's got to help recruiting uh, in the state of Texas. Uh, Rice gave him uh, his first opportunity uh, as coaching uh, a special teams coach there. And, uh, and, and in Memphis State, uh, the, the America Conference, whatever they're in, I think they tried to play a, a little bit in the spring. And so Drew had a little bit of sort of two, two seasons in one. Uh, and, then, uh, and then we hired him, I think, sort of midseason uh, from, from Memphis State. And uh, he missed a, he missed a spring as an on-the-field coach, but, um, but he, you know, ramping up on the system. I think he's going to be a phenomenal recruiter. I imagine he probably stays at Alabama for nearly as long as Saban does uh, to really, you know, get his bona fides as a is uh, a is a is a coach at this level. And I <laughs> I want to throw in sort of tongue in cheek that uh, you know Drew's a proven head coach and uh, a proven special teams coach, and so it's not like we're just bringing in a strength and conditioning coordinator to head up uh, special teams. So I think uh, I think we're doing really well in that regard. I look forward to Drew being an asset in recruiting uh, and certainly coaching as well. Let's take a look at uh, running back coach. And, you know, between the running back coach and we'll get to Jay, you know, the, the corners coach, these two, and, and maybe Drew a little bit, just all of them in their own way, just are, there's just a wrinkle to to what Saban is doing and bringing the, and the, the coaches. It's not perfunctory. You know, we need a running back coach, go get one. We need a cornerback coach, just go get one. That he is, you know, hand-selecting the just the right individual for the job. And so uh, Robert Gillespie has taken over for Charles Huff, uh, who left to go to the Vikings. And uh, no, I'm sorry, that's that's uh, Carl Scott. Uh, Charles Huff, now this is amazing. We talk about Saban's pipeline. Charles Huff took a running back job, a running back coach job, and spun it into a head coaching job. That's pretty impressive. That's getting all the uh, all, all the accolades from being on co- uh, saving staff. And, and so again, that just demonstrates that the pipeline is healthy. Guys, guys see that and say, "Gosh, I can be promoted to a head coaching job from any position on Saban's roster." Just about. And so I'm going to jump on board there and help the program. Let's be successful, and then I'm going to be successful uh, as as a result of that. And so. Congrats to Charles Huff, uh, his contribution and in the success that he's had and spun out and, uh, and, and the health that that shows to uh, the Saban tree and the Saban pipeline and, and network. But but Robert Gillespie, let's let's focus on uh, Robert for a little bit. He, I think he's an outstanding pickup. Many will remember his name, uh, especially if you're my age. You'll remember that he was a former running back uh, for the Florida Gators uh, and, uh, during the uh, Steve Spurrier, just sort of during that era. And um, he has really developed himself into a respected coach and recruiter. And I think he really sort of fits the, the Saban mold, uh, a hard worker, a quality coach, and uh, gets after the, the recruiting as well. He, he has mentored, uh, Gillespie has, uh, multiple 1,000-yard uh, rushers at uh, North Carolina, and he coached there under Mac Brown. Uh, what's interesting, and, and this, is, this is just one of those things that sort of catches my eye, and so I'll call it out. But uh, if you'll remember, when Sark left, 
there was a lot of sort of hoorah, who is going to replace him as offensive coordinator. And one of the names that made at least the media shortlists uh, was Phil Longo. And Phil Longo, it was and is, remains the offensive coordinator where? At University of North Carolina. And so to the extent that, hey, there's really some interesting things that Phil does that would mesh well with Saban's offense and would mesh well with what we want to do uh, at Alabama. And that makes him a really good candidate. All of that is true. If you have the opportunity to go get a Bill O'Brien, you do. But if there's enough of sort of a wrinkle that says, but that Longo decision, there was something there. So what do you do? You go get one of them. And uh, and so going to get Robert Gillespie uh, is not getting Phil Longo, but it's getting sort of a, a, an introduction uh, to maybe what are some of the schemes, maybe what is what are some of the things that we that we really liked about what North Carolina does. And interestingly, it was a lot of screens. And you think, well, <laughs> we don't need Longo to get their screens. Let's go get their running back coach uh, because he's the one coaching those players up. And so I thought that was of uh, of particular interest. I am really bullish uh, with uh, with Gillespie that Brian Robinson is going to have a big year. And uh, I think some of the youngsters, Jace and uh, Kamara, again, we'll get into talking about the offense. But uh, I think those guys uh, are really going to do well under uh, Robert Gillespie. So we look forward to that. And in the former, the uh, final uh, sort of head coach uh, transition, uh, Jay, uh, and I should have done a pronunciation on this. So you guys are going to butcher me for this. But uh, Vallea, I do believe, is the, the pronunci- uh, pronunciation. So Jay Vallea is replacing Carl Scott. Carl Scott is the one that went on to be defensive back coach uh, with the Vikings. And Jay is coming in and taking over specifically uh, the corners coach. Now, Jay is another coach that I am super excited about. I think individually, I was as excited about Jay as any other individual coach. I love sort of the Marone and Bill O'Brien, two NFL coaches, but that's sort of a collective there. Jay is one of the coaches that singularly, individually, really excited about this guy. I think he is a young coach on the move. He had, and within the span of a month, this is crazy, within the span of a month, he was a defensive backs uh, coach at Texas, at Houston, at Philly, and then Alabama. And that sounds crazy. So let's break that down a little bit. Well, he was with Texas under uh, Todd Herman. And so when the regime change uh, took place there, then then he was out of a job. And so uh, that's that's what happened there. And as any young coach in in a uh, in a in a career that is that can be very challenging, I think he jumped at the first opportunity that was offered to him. And so when Houston said, "We'll pay you to coach here," I think the I think I think a young guy looking for work. I just lost my job uh, looking for work. I think he jumped at the first uh, at the first paycheck that that came about available. And I think a lot of us would do that in that situation. So I, I that makes sense to me. He immediately wanted to get back to work. And I think that's great. Uh, I think Philly, uh, the Eagles, so an NFL team, they came and said, we actually want you to be a, a secondary coach with us. And, and I think, I, and I think Jay probably looked at that and said, well, that's a step up. And so, uh, which, you know, we would all say that, but, uh, I think he said, I, I'm, I'm going to leap at this bigger opportunity, uh, in, in the NFL because I am, I am career track oriented. And I think that's, uh, I think, you know, again, I'm calling him a young coach on the move. 
And so he saw that opportunity and he, and he leapt at it. And he was there not quite two weeks and Saban comes calling. And, and so you look at a guy that's like, I want to be upward mobile in my career. I want a place where I can maximize my growth uh, development opportunity. I can build a resume to build my career and it's stable. Well, Alabama's pretty good at that, right? Uh, especially right now uh, under Saban. And so I, I think that Alabama represented, especially if he wanted to be in the, in the collegiate ranks, Alabama represented a better opportunity than Philly did. And so here he comes to, to Tuscaloosa. Again, he's a highly successful individual. He was a team captain when he played at Wisconsin, not all that many years ago. Uh, he, it, he probably had an, a, a, an opportunity to play professional uh, when that sort of fizzled out. Uh, he he uh, became a trainer, uh, was a business owner, and he, uh, I, I want to say in the Texas area, but um, he started training high school athletes, uh, a couple of professional athletes, and so he was getting after it there as a business owner. Uh, after a while, he, he recognized he wanted to get back into coaching, and at one point, he was the quality defensive quality uh, uh, control guy or a defensive quality control guy at Georgia. And guess what? He was at Georgia uh, during the 2017 season uh, when we beat Georgia for the for the national title. And so, again, not that long ago, he was uh, he you know he was a quality control coach, and now he's an on the on the field uh, on the field coach at Alabama. There's uh, there was footage and I can't remember the program, but there was footage of him coaching uh, and it was just a clip, but uh, a footage of him coaching uh, his cornerbacks uh, uh, at, at this at this program. And he was he was very hands on and very audible and coaching the players through and they were doing a drill and he said, you know, you know, play the man, then the ball, play the man, you know, then the ball. You want to know the guy that you're covering. You want to know. You know, don't look for the ball because you just get spun out by, you know, a, a play faker or something. And so guard your man and then, you know, look to the ball. And so that was sort of what that was the mantra that he, he was drilling on. And he said it multiple times in, in just a, a 15 second, 20 second uh, video. And at one point, you know, he, he, you know he's talking to the, the player, you know, what do we do? And, and the player just man then ball. And so that just that resonated with me that he's an active coach, active uh, communicating with his players, and that he's drilling these fundamentals home uh, because just at, at the drop of the hat, the player was was quoting it back to him, which I, I thought was uh, was phenomenal. I think that um, I think Jay likely stays at Alabama uh, a couple of years. I think a minimum of three years. And here's here's my thought process. Clearly, he's he's upward uh, uh, mobile. And, and I think he's going to get opportunities. I think what he wants to do is he, he, at this point, he probably wants to put some longevity on his resume. That would be my speculation. I think especially is if, is, if his interest is in the collegiate game, then he wants to get a couple of reps in the recruiting cycle. And if he recruits as well as I probably think that he will, and he does that with sort of the script A on his on his shirt when he's talking to recruits, then he's going to be a good recruiter. And you get a reputation for being a good recruiter. How? By being a good recruiter. And so if he's a good coach on the field, gets a couple years of stability, gets a couple quality reps through the, the recruiting cycle, then then he is embellishing his future opportunity uh, while, while he's coaching at Alabama. And so I think he's probably here. I don't know how long, say I, none of us do. 
Uh, but I, I think Jay is probably here uh, a couple of three years. And I would look for him to, in the not too distant future, uh, to be a defensive coordinator. I'm not predicting that's going to happen at Alabama, but I, I think that is uh, the direction that he's going. And I think he's going to get there, uh, I, I think, pretty quick with uh, with what we're seeing from him already. All right, so that was a rundown of uh, the Alabama coaches. Probably ran a little bit longer than I was thinking, but that's all right. We've got a full write-up we just talked about at uh, the podcast uh, on the website, alabamafootballpodcast.com. And check out uh, Bama Insider. And so I made a special note. I always say oh, I read something. I wish I'd written it down. I wrote it down. Bama Insider, they did a breakdown of the entire coaching staff. So all of the guys, including Saban. And I thought it was pretty insightful, especially for some of the new guys, part of my sort of prep and research there. But I had some interesting things about uh, uh, several of the several of the coaches. So I'd strongly encourage you to check out the content there at uh, Bama Hammer. It's a mix of a sort of a video, audio, uh, and then they've got some uh, some uh, uh, an article there that you can read. Uh, coming up, we've got offense and defense previews. We'll throw in a, a little bit of uh, a special team talk as well. Check out the member program. We've talked about that. We've tried to make it as just as absolutely simple. Not a bunch of tiers, not a lot of sort of jump through hoops, sort of qualifying stuff. Look, it's just cut and dried. Help us keep the keep the lights on over here. And uh, we greatly appreciate it. And uh, we'll get you some bonus content in the free shows. And then just, just the gratitude and appreciation of uh, you supporting the program. We're going to do the Zoom calls again, which was phenomenal. I've told folks that, if I stop doing the podcast, I'm still doing the Zoom calls because they're just so damn fun. And uh, it was a great group that uh, we got together last year and did that. So uh, join us over there. And we are going to still do the the ticket raffle. And so, you know, a couple of bucks a month uh, supporting the uh, podcast that hopefully you, hopefully you enjoy getting some uh, camaraderie on the Zoom call and a chance to, uh, to, to come with us to a game. Uh, it seems like a pretty good upside. So if there's any questions, don't hesitate to reach out. Alabama Football Podcast dot com is the web alabama football podcast at gmail.com i answer every one of those that's not a solution solicitation for seo services and uh we'll kind of go from there with that roll tide thanks for listening to the alabama football podcast we love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show we encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like where we can improve or just to shout out a roll tide we are where you are iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, t-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tie. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.